uh, applications came out in the email for membership. If you don't have them, you can come and see me or Kiralee. We can help you find those membership applications. There's printouts down the bottom. Even easier. Too good. Um, awesome. Acts 16, 17. That's where we're going. Uh, grab your Bibles. Uh, we have been working through the series of Acts. I was going to bring it to a pause, but then I would be bringing it to a pause in the middle of a book, and it gets really good at the end. So um, not that there's a whole bunch of books in the Bible that get really bad at the end. Lamentations, maybe. Um, it just gets bad the whole way through. Um, I, one of the things that I think I was really confronted about, so just to kind of catch you up to speed with where we're at, is that uh, we, we've had this Council of Jerusalem and they've been arguing about what to do with uh, circumcision and a couple of other things and they get to this conclusion that it is about a relationship with Jesus. That is our primary goal. And what we see as a result of this is this transmission of the gospel throughout the regions surrounding um, the epicenter of Christ's death, right? So it starts to expand out and out and out. And what I appreciate is this newfound boldness of the disciples who are now apostles. Um, and one of the things I want to pick up on is just over these two chapters is I'm going to pull out some of the encounters and speak to how they are taking the good news of Jesus. So at this point, they are proclaiming it. The word of Jesus is expounding. Paul and Silas see a vision to take the gospel to the Macedonians. There is a conversion of Lydia. And then we get to Acts 16, 13 to 15. And it says, On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. And one of those listening was named Lydia. She was a dealer of purple cloth from the city of uh, Thyatira and was a worship of God. Uh, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited, her, um, she invited us home. If you are to consider me a believer in the Lord, they said, come and stay with me at my house. And she persuaded them. There's a real beautiful simplicity in this gospel presentation, right? This, this is the way all of us would hope our encounters sharing Jesus go, right? Is that we, we are in the middle of doing something. We go to a place of prayer. There's a whole bunch of other people there. We share the good news of Jesus. They come to know good news of Jesus and then they feed us, right? This, this ideal situation, we would have no issue with the empty seats in this building because we would all want the Lydian encounter, Truthfully, right? Like, uh, evangelism would be way easier if we just have Lydian encounters, okay? The very next part, they are, Paul and Silas uh, meet a slave girl who has a spirit in her that allows her to predict the future. They cast that spirit out. It costs the owner's income and they are locked in prison. The very next part, of Acts chapter 16. There's more conflict. There's also more wonder. And then there's a trembling within the jail cell. And we get this encounter. So this is Acts 16, 29 to 34. The jailer 
called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and then brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to them and to all the others in the house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. He immediately and his family were all baptized. The jailer brought them into the house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. A little more conflict. A little more challenge. Paul and Silas are beaten, but they share the good news of Jesus. The jailer believes, his family believes, they are baptized, and they get fed. Level two, right? If Lydian conversion is what we all hope for, um, jailer conversion is bearable. I'll take a flogging if it means someone's life is saved. Okay? Good. Not great, but acceptable. It doesn't stop them. There's a little rockiness in there. They see the fruit. They get more bold again. And so then we move to chapter 17. And they go to Thessalonica. This is uh, 2 to 5. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from scriptures, explaining and proving that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. As some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a number of God-fearing Greeks and not... Um, and not a few prominent women. The Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot. They rushed to Jason's house to search for Paul and Silas in order to bring them out into the crowd. Okay? Now we get level three conflict, you know? We have a scenario where they are in a town, they are preaching on Sabbath days, people are coming to believe, but there is now also significant hostility towards the good news of Jesus, so much so that they sneak out of the Thessalonian um, community and they then head on to Berea. And Berea, we get a different style of conflict. Now, the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they have received the message with great eagerness, and they examined the Scriptures every day to see what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, so did a whole bunch of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But the same mob from the Thessalonian community comes into Berea and scares them off again. Okay, so what we see is this continual boldness to proclaim the good news of Jesus, but it's met with conflict. Time and time again. Our Lydian encounter really serves as the only example so far that we don't really see a whole bunch of conflict. An explanation for the good news of Jesus, Lydia believes, invites him in for a feed, but since then, it's conflict. 
conflict in the face of good news of Jesus. So then we get to the Berean. Uh, sorry, then we get to Athens. And in Athens, we get this. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on the subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, and a woman named Demarius, and a number of others. The strange thing here is that in Athens, there is a willingness to hear the good news of Jesus, but they want to figure out how it slots into the pantheon of all the other gods. Let's talk. Let's hear about this God that we don't know about. Tell us more about this Jesus who is risen from the dead. And there is a hardness of hearts within the community. And in Athens, our biggest city, we find a place where the communication and transmission of Jesus does not yield the same kind of results that we saw in Berea um, and that we experienced to a lesser degree with the Thessalonian community. The thing is it does not stop Paul and Silas from preaching the good news of Jesus. In fact, in chapter 18, which I'll save for next week, we go to Corinth and we do the very, very, very same thing again. And one of the things that I find fascinating about this place in the book is the ease in which the apostles share the good news of Jesus no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the community, the message stays the same. The belief and faith that you put in Jesus will lead to salvation. It's not a hard message. And there is opportunities and ways for them to weave that into the narratives of their day-to-day comings and goings, whether it be in a marketplace, whether it be in a synagogue, whether it be on a Sabbath day or on a regular day of the week, for the disciples, there is an ease and a goodness in the proclamation of the good news of Jesus. And there is no surprise that sometimes it's received well. And sometimes it isn't received well at all. I, I for the longest time, wanted only to share the gospel if I had a Lydian encounter, right? I prayerfully wanted to be an evangelist that only saw purveyors of fine purple cloth come to know Jesus in a very easy way and then we celebrate. We baptize and we celebrate. But there is no promise anywhere within the pages of Acts or the New Testament or for that matter the Old Testament 
that our proclamation of the good news of Jesus is not going to be met with hostility and resistance and challenge. We, um, we had an awesome event here for paint and sip. Um, and I'm not saying that because Neo is in the room. I'd say it if she wasn't in the room. It's a really great, simple connection point for the church, right? Um, but what we found is that we had people who we wanted to come along and were immediately like, no, I don't want to go to a church. That sucks. Immediate resistance. Um, I think like 20-year-old Duncan would have been really sad about that. <laughs> but 42-year-old Duncan's like, ah, oh, it's fine. Like, that's, that's the resistance we meet, right? That's the resistance we meet. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that we have to break fellowship because someone says, I don't like the church is that I think that there is opportunity within the resistance to speak the love and compassion and the goodness of Jesus. Is that um, Paul and Silas don't go to the Thessalonians and when they meet resistance go, you guys are dead to me. Right? There's a church that's established there and then Paul has to write the book to the Thessalonians. And it's positive. Not like the Galatian one, how that starts. But there is a tenderness for that community, even though there was a conflict and a hostility received as a result of that. I think what we are going to find, and Carol and I were talking about this just outside. Um, Carol gets to church early. We have sunshine to chats because the sun streams in in a nice spot. We can stand out in the sun. Um, we get to do that... Um, three days out of every three months of the year um, when it's not raining. But we were talking about that, that you know, right, this, there has been this incredible season of high anxiety. We all feel it, right? We're, we're like ang anxiety exhausted. And we are having these encounters where we see people arc up into conflict a lot faster than they would usually do. And they fly off the handle and we have to figure out a way to mediate or reconcile. There is an incredible opportunity to speak the peace of Jesus into those scenarios. There's incredible places where we can find the narrative of the good news of Jesus that brings about transformation. And even as we find conflict, we continue to maintain that ease of communication. Right? We don't see Paul and Silas go, oh man, how good is sharing the good news of Jesus to Lydia? And oh goodness, conflict, we should stop doing this. Right? It doesn't stop. Is Lydia, and then we're going to save the slave girl, and then we end up in prison, and then we're beaten, and then we're released, and they try and sneak us out. But Paul says, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. How dare you? And they all freak out a little bit, and then they resolve it, and then they move on to the Thessalonian community, to the Berean community, to those in Athens. And all the time, 
the good news of Jesus is being proclaimed. The good news of Jesus is being proclaimed. And sometimes there's hostility. Sometimes there's resistance. Sometimes there's a lot of people coming to faith. Sometimes there's just a few ladies who are in the area who love Jesus. Other times they all want to hear it, but they don't want to act on it. But then there are some that are saved. And I think for the season that we come out of is the peaceable transmission of the good news of Jesus into a community as peacemakers will be a demonstration that our faith is transformative. If everyone is anxious, depressed and overwhelmed and we can bring the ease and compassion and love of Jesus that brings about an eternal life, there is a home for that in this community. Because it was, you know, like I was going to ask the question, which one of our community, which one is our community? Like is Belrose Berean? Is it Thessalonian? Is it Athenian? Well, it's all of them, right? It's all of them and none of them all at once is that sometimes we will communicate it and someone will get angry. And sometimes we will communicate it and they will gently listen and not do anything about it. But the time we hope for is that Lydian one. I find great encouragement in passages like this to persist. Um, is it Galatians um, Galatians 6, 9, right? Can you bring up Galatians 6, 9 faster than I can flip to it? No, I'm there. I'm too late. I'm faster. It's what you get for a master's degree. Incredible Bible flipping skills. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, verse 10, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. I think Paul and Silas model this through Acts. Do you think you just had the snot beaten out of you in prison? I mean, the jailer tends to their wounds. That's how significant they are. I would like a couple of weeks to recover. Just telling you, this well-oiled machine needs some downtime after a substantial flogging. Paul and Silas attended to and immediately move on to the next thing. There is not a weariness in doing good because the gospel is the good news of Jesus. There is no weariness, just a continual movement. 
This is one of those um, verses that I find though I speak but don't feel sometimes. Hey, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeanette's like, amen. Praise the Lord. I feel the same way. It's hard, right? After a substantial season that we've had to not feel the weariness. Um, but taking the the heart of this passage is God, I think, honors the persistent obligation as much as he does the um, joyful, serendipitous bliss, right? Just bear with me. Sometimes uh, we can just do it because it feels great. But I think our faith becomes obvious when even when we don't feel great, we persist in doing it. Okay? We don't have the emotional state of Paul and Silas through all of this. But what we do if we have the persistent unwavering desire to proclaim the good news. And I don't think there's too much of a problem if we say, yes, I feel weary, but I will persist in doing good because I know God is at work in this. That's okay. I'm in that season, right? But I come to these passages and I go, let us not become weary in doing good because at the proper time we will reap a harvest. And I feel like as the season of this transition, I'm sick of that word, comes to an end, we have created an opportunity to reap. (laughs) Right? You do get coffee up here, don't you? There's a spot to grow, right? There's a spot to reap. There's a spot to reap. There's a spot to reap. But it's only going to come about because of that persistence, like Paul and Silas are showing here to do good, that persistence. And I love in that verse 10 part where it says, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We model the peace and the compassion and the love here first. And then we model it out there. Yeah? But let us not grow weary. Let's pray. Lord, that we might be bold again. Lord, that we might experience those Lydian moments amongst the Thessalonian conflicts, amongst the prison floggings. Lord, that we might find joy in proclamation even if the hearts are hard, just to see the one transformed. Lord, that we might find 
joy in the persistence of doing good, even when sometimes we just feel weary. Lord, that you might bring about something extraordinary in our midst. Lord, I continue to pray for our church through this season and into the next, Lord, that you might rejuvenate hearts, that you might renew energy, that you might build courage, Lord, and that each one of these empty seats might really reserve for someone who for the first time has a real transformative encounter with your good news. Amen.